Good morning. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official untapped podcast. Your inside look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. I'm John, and 2020 has already been a year of more beer for me. I've been having a great time checking into all the beers I've been consuming. We've also had a lot of fun seeing people earning the Drinking Socially badge along with us. That's been a great addition to to my weekend untapping. Um, So we're hopeful that this episode's homage to the beers of yesterday makes it easier for our friends across the pond and even here in the States to uh, earn the Drinking Socially badge with us here in episode three. And I'm Harrison, and today it's really going to be a fun one. We are going to do a little bit of, little bit of time traveling, maybe in more ways than one, but certainly going to start by drinking uh, some beers of yesteryear, maybe some yester beers, if you will, or maybe. Anyway, don't think about that too hard. I'm just trying to say that we've got some classics lined up. Um, the beers that were, we kind of like attributed these beers to planting the seed that then would turn into the beanstalk towards the clouds where these beer giants we, we now enjoy roam free. Is that that clear to everybody? This is, this is going well. <laughs> if you're waiting for like a golden goose pun, I'm going to let you keep waiting. Excellent. All right. These yokes are running long. I'll see myself out. I'll find the door. No, but first, uh, as a reminder, Drinking Socially is released every other Wednesday morning. It can be found at podcast.untap.com. Or wherever you listen to podcasts. Right, perfect. Uh, great intro, Harrison. A lot of egg that jokes. Was, uh, the, more egg jokes than I've ever... <laughs> Heard in your right. intro before. Yep, uh, what'd you do this weekend? Are you omeletting now that's full right. time? That's right. I had an excellent weekend, John. <laughs> um, no, we we uh, we drank some beers as is the as is tradition. Um, and I really didn't like uh, kind of 2019 is really following me into 2020. I um, am I referring to my kind of year in beer where I think my top most checked in brewery was. Hopfly, and I just love what those, what those guys do. So they released a double IPA called Dark Energy last week. It was fantastic. Nice New England style um, double IPA that I consumed uh, some of. But really, this weekend, kind of what was filling my beer brain was the imminent return of Trogue's Nugget Nectar to North Carolina. We're like one of the last states to get it, but that's okay. I'm just happy that it's going to should, should be here any week. So I've already I'm subscribed to it on on tap. We got a little that little bell next to it. Nugget Nectar's name is yellow, uh, so that means the first verify any that gets it near me, I'm, they're popping on my phone, and I'm going right there after work. And I know I'm not the only one in the office that has I imagine that check. You'll, you'll grab me, and that yeah, will be it. Will, and that's where we'll be. And you can find those check ins soon if you're not seeing them already. But that's uh, that's kind of what I was thinking about. I saw the release from them saying we're coming North Carolina. We'll see you next week, and I'm pumped for that. How about you? That's I'm just thinking about Nugget Nectar now, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a yesterday beer for me. Yeah. Um, I had a great experience at a local brewery here in Wilmington, uh, Wilmington uh, Flying Machine Brewery. They released a beer called the Weighted Blanket, which, I mean, <laughs> the, na- the name's already <laughs> great. Um, it's I think they classified as a nitro pub ale, yeah. and I was fortunate enough to be in there uh, this past Saturday. I grabbed a pour of it at the bar. And I took a sip and turned around, and the brewer uh, was right there, catches me kind of smiling and grinning as I'm uh, dissecting this beer. And immediately he's like, oh, what do you think? First sips, what's going on in there? And I I kind of smiled, and I was like, this is great. It reminds me, don't take this the wrong way, but it reminds me of a Boddington. Right. 
And he kind of laughed and, you know, talked about looking at Boddington clones before he built this recipe for that brew, like brew system. Mm-hmm. But it was amazing. And it made me remember uh, how um, how great a nitro can or a simple nitro, I don't know, pub ale yeah. uh, can be. I went, I, I, don't, I had a few of them, enough where the check-ins got blurry towards the end. <laughs> Excellent. And some news, too. A couple of things we're going to talk about later in the show. Maybe some, uh, some visits from certain seafaring historical figures. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. That was a horrible <laughs> foreshadowing. We'll see, though. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe we'll go, ah, or maybe you already know. If you read the show notes, you would. But, yeah, but don't do that. Before we get there, uh, <laughs> let's introduce the first beer for this episode. Uh, Harrison actually helped me pick these out. Uh, the goal for these for these beers was kind of one to introduce a beer to the drinking socially badge that has some sort of worldwide availability or closer to that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a little bit more of a, can we say secular beer? That sure, might not be the it. right answer, let's but let's do it though. Um, the first <laughs> one we're going to crack open is Gaffel Kolsch. Yes. And I think uh, guys with long hair and beards like Harrison get excited about this. <laughs> right. A Kolsch isn't maybe the most celebrated style, right. but it for me, I'm excited to drink this as I've grown mm-hmm. uh, to crack open what is a, an all-star example of the style. So I'm going to open this beer and Harrison's going to give us the specs. Quick breakdown of it. And we did back in episode two, did a cool kind of breakdown of what is a Kolsch. Talked about the BJCP requirements for it, kind of how it breaks down. And Gavel Kolsch is always one of the ones they list as kind of like the um, true-to-style examples. There she is. Um, bottles today, so I'll switch it up a little bit. But it really is, and I've had this beer a bunch. Um, it's kind of, you know, again, I've, I've said it a bunch of times, pretty spoiled brewing in Philadelphia as long as I did, just how many beers from all over the world go to that city and <clears throat> simply put, you know, it's kind of like this nice lager alternative. It's not a lager. It is absolutely an ale, but it has a lot of the same qualities, but also different enough where um, there is, you know, to say more flavor, certainly more hop flavor in this thing. Uh, classically comes in as a cold style, 4.8% IBU uh, or ABV, excuse me, IBUs pretty low around 15. And, um, yeah, comes from the the a brewery, uh, private brewery Gavel Becker, which is in Cologne, which is really where the Kolsch kind of comes from, um, and formulated to those good old German purity laws of fifteen sixteen. So, uh, again, classic to the style. You're right, not crazy exciting, but I remember for me, this beer was like it was just that. It was it's a great kind of gateway beer from your simple light lagers to something a little different where he kind of has a bit more, a bit more going on, but still, you know, a friend to every lawnmower and beach party and football game and all that good stuff where you want something light and crushable. Um, this is it, but again, has a little bit more happening than a, than a lot of loggers. Ooh, man. How's the nose on this one? Yeah. Jumpy, grassy gets right at me. This this smells like this smells like I'm 20 and I'm smelling my first beer again. Right. It smells like a beer. Mm-hmm. It's 
Smells like I'm cutting the grass. Smells like a hot, sunny day. Mm. Ah, that's good. I'm I'm excited about this. It's so fluffy. And again, right away, it's like there's a little, there's like a, man, there's this nice kind of, it's not, it's like kind of, yeah, you get like the malt right away. There's a definite finish of like a grassy hoppiness, um, but it's just so smooth. You know, there's not like a lasting bitterness at all, but you get more than if you were, again, drinking like a light lager where this thing would kind of just taste clean all the way through. There's a bit more happening at the end of this guy. Not as spicy hoppy as a Pilsner, right, not but not all. as yes, um, easygoing as just a really cold mm-hmm. fermented lager. And right. the Kolsch is a style that I'll, I don't understand. I know that... It's sort of a mixture of a. Right. Is it an oh, ale with lager yeast? Oh, is man. it? Do you, Harrison? Do you <laughs> mind if I? Not that it matters to anyone, but why is a <laughs> why is a Kolsch different? Right uh, or unique? Mm-hmm. Right in that you, it's it's not a pilsner or right. a lager right. or any right. other. Why is this one so different? Right. Is and the it, question it, I'm it trying is, to ask. Yeah, it's right in that. It's right in that middle of ground. So it is. So, all right, I'm trying not to get on too many tangents. Let's just, no promises. But so, <laughs> so, but John made a great point about um, the yeast you use in a Kolsch is an ale yeast, although some people refer to it as a hybrid yeast because it's an ale yeast that works really well at lower temperatures. So you could absolutely make a lager with Kolsch yeast and lager it. Um, even though it's not a traditional lager yeast, if you will, falls into that category of a bottom fermenting yeast that is what really kind of what sets top fermenting ale yeast and bottom fermenting lager yeast apart. But this has the qualities and can withstand colder fermentation temperatures and still work, uh, which is really cool. So that's why this beer is able to kind of live in both worlds of kind of ales and lagers where it's, you can um, ferment it colder. It can be conditioned like a lager, this Kolsch can, where it really cleans up, looks very clear, it's very smooth, um, but the ale is not going to – it's going to have more fruity – the yeast going to pull more of those fruity characters and grassy characters out of the hops as you drink it. So as simple as it is, there's a lot kind of going on that to, to achieve that you couldn't do with a lot of ale yeasts, couldn't do with almost any lager yeast and establish the same finish this beer has. And for that reason, kind of a, uh, the, a Kolsch yeast for a while, and a lot of breweries still kind of swear by them, uh, in the States, that became like the yeast to use when you're brewing a, um, like, a, a, like a New England style IPA. A lot of breweries, Carton comes to mind in New Jersey. They have their boat beer, which is like a four-inch percent, yep. like super hopped, session IPA, but they use a Kolsch yeast on it that finishes really clean, but still allows all the hop characters kind of to shine and doesn't become funky like a Pilsner can kind of where it's really piney and intense. Um, uh, yeah, because there's just more, they used to do more with the hops there. So it's again, it's it's really cool. We played around with Kolsch yeast a bit, um, brewing, not a ton. I still like it just as in the Kolsch, doing Kolsch stuff. Kicks off a lot of sulfury smells when you're fermenting. So I remember the first time we used one, we walked in the brew house, we are like, what's wrong? Something's happening. And to like the specs on the White Labs website, they were like, nope, don't worry. Day one and two may smell a little salty in the brewery. Those are just off flavors getting getting gone and kind of part of the fermentation process. Um, better out 
than than in for those guys. And so, yeah, anyway, it's just a really cool yeast, and this beer really kind of um, celebrates what it can do living in those two those two worlds. In the Kolsch doing Kolsch stuff is, I think that's got to be a T-shirt mm-hmm. that some brewer has somewhere, somewhere and I would Kolsch love to meet him someday. Yeah. Maybe or it's her. Maybe it's right. Maybe we'll make it, John. Um, t-shirts coming soon. <laughs> this. So as I'm drinking this beer, it's in, in a world, of, or even if we reference season two, almost every beer we drank was uh, double dry humped or, or adjuncted. Mm-hmm. And, and in my opinion, that's exciting. It's a little bit easier right. to tell a story about it. Right. But there is a, I mean, to go back, if you're a chef for 10 years, you want to go back to the basics, start mm-hmm. with meatloaf, make a better meatloaf. Exactly. I don't, this is a bad analogy. No, you're right. You're right. This is. Is a, this is a great kind of, if you go back to where beer was before mm-hmm. it was full of marshmallows and right. other Chocolate things are delicious. Yeah. And, yeah. This, is, this is a great canvas. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm kind of hopeful that as we look at 2020 and sessionable, lower ABV beers become right. more on trend that yeah. maybe we'll see people play with Kolsch as well. A little more. And it, it did have like its <clears throat> time in the sun, if you will, probably in like, I'm trying to remember, 2015, 16, somewhere around there in the summers. I feel like a lot of more people were doing this. I feel like in the States, a lot of American breweries were like, let's make a Kolsch, let's do that. Um, and uh, and it, it is. I mean, it, it can kind of do what lagers do, but in half the time it takes to make them. So it, from like a production standpoint, it makes sense to have a great Kolsch. And actually, I should say, I saw, I started seeing them a lot in the south, the southeast in the U.S., which is where we are right now. When I would go down to Charleston and stuff a lot, almost every brewery down there brews one. Almost every brewery in Wilmington, where we are, has a Kolsch um, <clears throat> that they have almost all the time, or they do have all the time. Um, it does lend itself to, again, hotter days, but it's a little more happening than maybe a light adjunct lager so I, I for that reason i love it but again this is why it was a beer for me in the early days of craft beer that got me excited because it was different than something light and kind of indistinguishable maybe from other beers from other breweries that were the same style where this thing just had a bit more happening to it but it was still easy easy to crush a lot of them and they came in cool glasses if you're served this in a beer hall it's like a straight yeah not, not tapered at all like kind of looks like a cylinder, like a, like it comes from a science exactly. lab. Exactly, which is beer served in. Uh, there's there's a, <laughs> a, a certain appreciation for glassware. Uh, the more I get into beer, the more I right. learn, or you yeah. see things on Instagram right. that are just works of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at untapped ratings, there's again, uh, Harrison and I were kind of talking about this. Uh, Kolsch's don't get checked in as much as other beers. Nope. They don't get produced as much as an IPA, but. I'm already looking, and I saw one of the top-rated from a couple of years ago comes from Other Half, and <laughs> and it is exactly what I was hoping to see: lactose, oats, pineapple, coconut. <laughs> um, that just that sounds like a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it, but also in the top-rated Kolsch's, uh, I saw a brewery I'm familiar with, Dovetail, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of uh, have made. Uh, uh, maybe a statement that they're going to produce traditional style German ales. Right. Um, they're out of Chicago, Illinois, but they're making some great uh, traditional uh, style beers, and it's nice mm-hmm. to see their Kolsch get placed among the, the the favorites on Untapped as well. Right. Yeah. It definitely. I mean, like all things, there's you do do what you want with it. There's, there's coffee Kolsch's with coffee in it. And there are a couple of those. A lot of those we're seeing in the top rated. 
Um, and then a fair amount of pretty straightforward ones. A lot of coffee colches, interesting. Um, but a fair amount of just straightforward ones too. I, I drink a lot of Carnival Kolsch out of Stouts Brewing from Adamstown, PA, which is a really cool town. It's a town in the middle of Pennsylvania. It looks like a small German village from like the 1700s, all like wattle and dab, white and black houses and cobblestone streets. Anyway, cool spot if you're in the area. Certainly pretty unique. But, um, but yeah, there's again almost I feel like almost every brewery at one point or another brews this guy looking at the list of breweries that are in even this page of you know top fermented it's trillium it's all these exciting ones other half like you said hoofhearted um and then as i mentioned almost everyone in town who makes one too so um i think you know they know something um you know, they do this for a living those breweries that it's a pretty cool style and a great after work beer and there's got to be a certain skill level that comes in right. creating something that you, you don't have much to hide behind, and it's completely, yep. it's com- it, it's see through with a tinge of yellow, but it's mm-hmm. I mean it's infallibly cure, uh, clear. Yeah, it's got awesome bubbles and lacing, right? To perfectly clear to see through, nice yellow, everything. Um, yeah, and the smell is so like, grassy. Uh, yeah, grassy, grassy is the flavor tag I would exactly. use for this grassy. beer. Not in a bad way, no, but that's what I mean, it is. this beer with a hot summer day yeah. is freezing outside right, right now. Right. But this beer in warmer weather, uh, perhaps yeah. I would go for Disappear. like yeah, you could go f- with some fruit or uh, cantaloupe and honey. But this and <laughs> and tacos. Uh, yeah. seems like this would be a great, yeah. the grassiness of this combined with like a cilantro. Sure. I was say, oh, man. Don't, don't even need I'm the in. cilantro. I'm you in. just dip the, dip the taco right in the beer. Dip, dip it in your colch. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that's a different t-shirt. <laughs> um, transitioning <laughs> off of that, we're going to talk about some stories from the Drinking Socially Facebook group. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty big splash when we launched the badge on there. Like, wow. It was... I think it was incredible seeing people talking about it. There were threads, people talking about it. Um, and yeah. and if this is your first time listening, since you saw the badge, welcome. You're in the thick of it now. And the Drinking Socially Facebook group is our Facebook group. So if you're not in it, jump on in. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely very active as we're going to John's gonna talk about more right now. But all those people talking about cool beer stuff in there. So if you want to be a part of it, all are welcome uh, to join it. Always, uh, always interesting to see. I mean, there's been conversations about um, N- uh, NFL playoff games and what right. beers you should drink, yep. uh, what bars you should go to if you're a hometown fan. Uh, a couple of bullet points that caught my eye. Uh, one of uh, one of the users that always uh, Matt's always posting some really cool stuff. He actually, I love mm-hmm. him for this. Matt made a list on his Untapped account of all the beers that Harrison and I are drinking in the show. And the goal of this is that now you can check out Matt's list and you can search for those beers on mm-hmm. Untapped. So if you don't want to keep up or search for each one individually, yep. uh, there's a link right in the Facebook group. Check out the list that Matt made, um, and then when you're when you're in a new area, click Find, and you'll be able to see if uh, Gaffel Kolsch is available right. nearby or Tropicalia or any of the ones we've drank so far on season three. I thought that was a great idea. Taking it a step further, mm-hmm. Luke um, is creating, he's kind of doing a deep dive into analytics inspired by the year in beer uh, yeah. we put together for the end of the year in 2019. Um, and Luke's kind of, he's downloaded all of his untapped data as a supporter. And now he's trying to build some, I'm just going to say algorithm because sure. it sounds cooler. Yeah, it does. 
but he's trying to wait, you know, what, how does an ABV affect the way he rates a beer or I mean, did he have it at a sports bar or at a tap room? Right. Uh, how does he rate styles? It was really cool to see somebody paying that much attention to it. And uh, I kind of hope to follow along there. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, more exciting news, Pavel and David back to back came into Crazy. the group and they both posted, they had their 10,000th, um, check in on untapped 10,000 unique beers on untapped. Impressive. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a, a long journey. Um, yeah, I, I think, hope, I, I think Pavel did I it sooner. It <laughs> um, hopefully it took him a while to get there and it was a fun journey and it's <clears> great <throat> to have you guys in the group. The last bullet point I want to talk about comes from um, Kenneth. He actually went on and created a poll, uh, kind of unrelated. Andrew made a beautiful post about his Mount Beermore. Mm-hmm. I think he photoshopped it. It looks beautifully, yes, kind of carrying on our, our introduction to Mount Beermore. But Kenneth created a poll, and this is a question I pose to you as you're listening. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask Harrison as well. If you buy a growler or a crawler and you bring it home, do you check in? Once, do you, when you crack it open and you pour yourself a pint, do you check into mm-hmm. that one and then just mm-hmm. consume the rest? Right. Do you check into every single time you open it? Um, I mean, coming, I guess, the voice of Untapped, there is no rule right. on what you know on how you handle that. I think it's totally up to the user. Yeah. But the overwhelming majority was that you check into that beer once. Right. I think it's, if anything, I'll admit it's easier for me to do it that way. But Harrison, do you have any, you bring a growler home, do you have any guidelines for that? I mean, to be honest, John, the last time I brought a growler home was probably like (laughs) 10 years ago. Crowlers. Sorry, yeah. man. How, <laughs> how about how about crawlers? <laughs> but well, what I was going to say is the growler is kind of interesting. If you're using Untapped as your 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 beer diary to like drink a growler, pour pour, about, pour a pint out on a Friday, and then you maybe don't have it again until Sunday, and you pour it out again, and if it has changed over those couple days, noticeably, make a note to yourself in that second check in of oh, tastes fresher, tastes cardboardy tastes the same stuff like that i mean i wouldn't but i could see where if you're trying to for science or whatever track kind of what that beer is doing and and in your own kind of world define how long a growler is good for cool but for me yeah crowler open it up check in once that's it i'm definitely with the, the majority there um that's kind of the case, though. For even a even a six pack, if I got a six pack of beer and I bring it home, I check in, and it's the same beer. I just check in one of them. Oh, that's lazy, man. I think I think no, that's I, true most of the would, time. I think I, I would say the same thing. If it's if I have the same beer back to back in one sitting, I might not check it in the second right. time. If I do, that's I'm not going mean. to rate it and take a picture. Right. I might right. just check it in for my own record. Right. But if I have it Friday and then I go out to the garage sure. and I have it again on yep. Saturday, yep. Yep, I'll check it in. Um, I might give it a rating. I, I like to compare maybe not as deep as Luke's about to do with his data dive, right. but to kind of see if, you know, do I enjoy uh, lighter ABV beers on warm Saturdays? There I think you that's, uh, you You would think I would know the answer to that is I, I am me. Right. But, but, <laughs> but it's nice right. to have some proof. Who right? are you really? Right. That's good. Um, speaking of checking in, uh, one of the built-in rewards on Untapped is you earn badges for yes, uh, checking in. 
Uh, some of them really exciting. Some of them are just, uh, you know, kind of hard to level up like the wheel of styles. But I think it's right. It's always as a, as a box ticker myself, I love them. And again, it's been really great to see some of uh, the, I think there's been people that listen to the podcast that have heard about the badge and gone through some trouble to find a beer and yeah. earn it. Oh, yeah. And there's definitely been people that don't listen to the podcast that just randomly went to Creature Comforts and right. earned a badge. So right. like Harrison said, hopefully you're listening now and you're in the mix with us. Yeah, welcome. But uh, Harry pulled some data for the Drinking Socially badge, and there's some pretty cool trends there uh, outside mm-hmm. of Atlanta being the clear winner yep. in cities that the badge was earned. Yep. Uh, Eric, what have you got for numbers, man? Yeah, yeah. So more than a 1,000 unlocks so far. Atlanta taking the cake. Columbus, Ohio, though, jumping in second place, and we did have a platform beer too, so that uh, makes sense. Um, and really... So this is kind of interesting. The, the number one venue was the Chicken and Beer, which is in the Atlanta airport, and like Concourse awesome. D or whatever. I've it says. been there. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so today, one of the guys we work with is there right now, checking in <laughs> beer on the way to his honeymoon. I checked his. I saw before we started, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" That's where our oh, badge was cool. lighting up this past weekend. So small world, but clearly the spot to be in the Atlanta airport. If you're not going to Chicken and Beer, you're Concourse right, D. What are you even check doing? Check it out on Untapped. Just Book a flight anywhere just to go there, it sounds like. Um, but uh, that was pretty cool. And then the – so while Atlanta took the cake for number one city, which makes sense doing Creature Comforts, being from uh, from Georgia, uh, the Merry Christmas, Happy New Year was the most checked in beer. And they're obviously, as we spoke about during that episode, a lot of variants of that. Each year that beer is different. So each one of those variants is – does qualify for that badge um, this season, which is pretty cool too. So that one got checked in a ton and also is a little more widely distributed than um, I think any other beer we've had so far that is the one that's most available. So uh, makes sense. It's the number one beer, but really cool to see all this stuff and excited to see now that we're drinking some seriously international beers, kind of what happens next and, and what next week's kind of number one city Does Atlanta is. remain the king right, right now? Concourse D is, I mean, it's really it's a how tough, do we unseat the up, airport? Putting up a good fight. It, it, when I think about it in my head, it makes, if I'm flying into Atlanta sure. and someone in the airport can serve uh, Tropicalia, right. which is arguably one beer. of the city's yep. most, uh, is oh, yeah. the most sought after iconic IPA mm-hmm. from the city. Yeah. Monday night might disagree, or right. but there, there's competition for it. But sure. I associate Tropicalia sure. with Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, and it's cool to see maybe people just kind of picking it up as a connector flight. Uh, yeah, get, just stop it into chicken and beer. That sounds like a great pit stop on any adventure. Chicken you're, and beer. You're right. Doesn't matter where I'm going. Sold, sold, John. That's fantastic. All right, cool. We have we keep talking about people. We got more to drink first. Though we're going to hear from our sponsor this week. So. Take it away. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, more. Depending on how hot or cold you are, go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code podcast when you check out. That'll get 20% off anything you order. That's store.untapped.com. Use the coupon code podcast. 20% off for you. Plus, it lets them know that you guys are listening, and we love that here. 
All right. And now it's time for beer number two this episode. John, what are we working with today? Where are we going next? The beer that I will always associate with trips overseas or living overseas. This one comes from London, which is Untapped's most checked-in city in 2019. Right. It is uh, from Fuller's Brewery, their London Pride. Here we go. Um, this is not their most checked-in beer. Um, on Fuller's, I'm pretty sure it's their ESB, but this one, uh, I mean, it's, it's iconic. The name of it uh, reads London Pride. Uh, which is, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. I anticipate it being available overseas. We checked on Untapped mm-hmm. and saw people checking it in in a variety of different places. So, oh, yeah. um, this is technically an English bitter. It comes in at four point one percent ABV, and the notes we can see on Untapped tell us it's brewed under the watchful eye of our Griffin since the nineteen fifties. Yeah, London Pride is unmistakably London's beer, even though Beaver Town's neck oil is is is, mm-hmm. is trying. Uh, with its well-rounded flavor and rich history, everything about this authentic, characterful beer binds it to our capital city and the people who love it. And the cool part about here is they actually give you some different varieties yes. on cask. It's listed as 4.1 ABV, bottle, can, and keg. It comes in at 4.7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. And I think it's it's certainly London that I think of or Great Britain that I think of when I, when I think of cask beer. Yep. So it makes oh, yeah. a lot of sense that this would, this would probably, I don't know, I wonder, there's a great study to be done on is this drink mm. more in cask or in keg, can, or bottle. Right. And I'm sure we could, we could find that. A lot of the, part of the answer to that inside Untapped, for sure. You guys can, of course, as you check in beers, designate the vessel that you're consuming it in or that it came from. Yeah, there we go. Popping the top. It's been a long time since I've had this beer, but this was for like a hot minute to get in the early days of me discovering the wide world of beer, one that I gravitated to probably for a lot of the similar reasons of, of Gaffel Kolsch and that it was highly drinkable. It was different. This one, for whatever reason, probably seemed like exotic for a, for lack of a better word, for, you know, college age me to have something from not to the States. Um, and man, what a beautiful color as you pour it out there, John, that kind of copper, crystal clear, great white head. I mean, this is fantastic looking. This, and an, another thing, maybe it's just because we're talking about beers of, of yesterday, but aside from the fact that it's a beautiful, you're right, copper, uh, orangish maybe, mm-hmm. but uh, but also incredibly translucent. Uh, I could read the paper through this beer. Yep, cleared right up. And technically, four point seven right, ABV. So yeah, That's a correction yep. I should have made. You're but uh, since we're drinking it out of the bottle, mm-hmm. this will be a little bit higher in ABV. But you're right. I could I could assumingly drink a lot of these. It's been years. Yeah, Harrison, I saw. I think you had checked this in in the past, probably. Well, I think I, I think the last time I had this was before Untapped even existed. So, okay, never but mind. Gaffle, I checked in Gaffle a, a little while ago, but this will be the first time I'm actually checking it in. But but yeah, to that end. So go ahead and do that right now. And I'd love to, you know, one of my many goals, and it's a long list of kind of beer goals of my life, is to have this in London on the hand on a hand pump somewhere anywhere. It seems for me, it's always had kind of that iconic, as you said. Um, 
aura about it and some serious names of like classic British pubs kind of pop up on on tap and you're looking at, you know, where this beer has been consumed more recently. I mean, you're looking at places like the Lamb and Flag, uh, the Royal Standard, the, you know, the, the White Horse, Cornwalls, that's in Boston. <laughs> there's, there's very likely a Cornwalls <laughs> somewhere is. in or outside of yeah. London and Kent or um, mm. it, it, as, as a guy that spends the majority of his time living and drinking in the States, this helps kind of transport me to, uh, to, uh, to it. It's almost like a, I don't want to say a vacation in a glass cause now I sound like a commercial, but, but you're right. I mean, that is right. There are more beers in London for sure. There are, I mean, you've got, uh, who is it? Um, uh, Doom Bar from Sharp sees a lot of check-in activity mm-hmm. in London. Yes. Beaver Town's Neck Oil yeah. gets checked in a lot in London. Uh, and then there's craft breweries all over in London as well. But this is, again, some sort of iconic nod to yesterday when this would be uh, something that I could walk into, even a, a pub here in the States mm-hmm. uh, or a bar here in the States and yeah. look for this experience in a glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go ahead and enjoy some. That smells mm-hmm. like caramel smells and like butterscotch caramel, everything. right on the yep, nose. Exactly. And really like uh, just coming from the Maris Otter malt, I mean, this beer is pretty much like just Maris Otter two-row, which is a pale malt and like maybe a little bit of crystal whatever to give it some color. Mm. Whew. Yep. Just like that. That to me, it's so it's so funny how, again, how everything can come full circle. Where you know, to sum up my beer journey, it was you know, beers everybody drank in college. These kind of beers a little different than IPAs now. Double IPAs. All you kind of get into the weeds of all this crazy stuff, and then something like this kind of calls you back to. You almost know when you drink it. Like this is what you know retired me is going to have <laughs> at the end of every or the beginning of every day if I'm retired that's <laughs> like so approachable and smooth and it just kind of it's it's yeah it's like timeless it is a little bit of a time machine there's a beautiful simplicity as I as I share this beer with you there's not contrary to most of my check-ins mm. there's not a lot going on with this beer yep. It, it it's simple, but not in a diminutive way. No, I think some of the best food you'll ever have comes right. on a plate with four ingredients. Right. Yeah. This beer is uh, th- this beer is produced to take those four five basic ingredients right. and just make them sing together. This right. is That's this a is great point. It almost is like that backdrop for your fish and chips or whatever, like you're eating. It can be, it can kind of just make it all come together and and. Yeah, man, this is awesome. This is adds to the experience time. without overpowering it. Right. The carb on here is mm-hmm. unlike most I've had from a bottle as well. That's a good point. It's, I don't know how you yep. achieve that. Super undercarb, and that's kind of the goal, I, I imagine, to kind of recreate that cask experience in the bottle too. And that's something you control when bottling. But absolutely, it does. I mean, the head dissipates pretty quick, but still has some awesome lacing on the glass. It is crystal clear. Um, but a great color. We t- I, I mentioned earlier that I was reminded of a Boddington's Pub Ale, and mm-hmm. maybe it's just fresh on sure. my mind. But no, you're right. For a carved, bottled beer that is not nitro, 
Uh, this is close. This this scratches an inch for me. I mean, they're almost so like, so I mentioned Maris Otter before, which is a kind of British two-row base malt that makes up for this beer probably like 90% of the bill and most classic either English bitters, best bitters, ESBs, they almost all are 70 to 95% Maris Otter malt. So they all share very similar kind of characteristics when it comes to what they they taste like, all the classic ones, um, in, a, in a good way. And then you get into kind of like, okay, well, the water in Manchester versus London is a bit different, so Maris Otter there is going to do more, something different, something's Same happening. Same thing here with New York pizza, right? Right. <laughs> That's right, exactly right. Um, uh, so there's that'd be a fun and kind of podcast to do or adventure to go down that rabbit hole of different, take a very take a best bitter and have it from five different cities and see what uh, see what you're tasting. But yeah, that Maris Otter is like legendary. Like a lot of American breweries use it. They seek it out um, for many styles of beer. It just has like a nice, you said caramely, like there's a biscuit note in there that's not yep. overpowering. Yep. Like you would find from a victory malt that is like, can become like a wet bread really quick. Like it's definitely, it's just different. And you don't get that from most pale two-row American malts. Maris Otter, you got to go go get it and go cross the pond to find it. So here they are utilizing it, you know, beautifully, really just letting that shine. And in a day and age when, like, everyone wants to talk about how crazy different hop flavors are, I will talk just as long about cool malt flavors coming through beers. It's uh, uh, And I think we're starting to see that, a little return to the, as the average crap beer drinker kind of also ages along with uh, with us, John, um, <laughs> returning to again that same proverbial pond once uh, from whence the the tadpole crawled out of. Mm, this is I'm loving it. See, this is I could drink it in like two gulps though. I'm just I'm forcing myself not to. <laughs> this is um, we've made mention to this, and it's it's not something I pay enough attention to. But I think what makes this beer so good for me is the fact that it's balanced Mm -hmm. there's not there is it's called an english bitter which i think may scare people away right there's really no bitterness (laughs) in it um if you've got a palate suited for today's beers right the the bitterness is is there for marketing not not (laughs) as an ibu warning right it's Balance is caramely on the nose, but it's not too sweet. It's mm-hmm. just it's it's just there like a nice blanket. Yep, exactly <laughs> um, right. I'm gonna walk through. I'm gonna check yeah. this one in Let here. Um, so we've got it's the beer's name is London Pride, and I misspoke twice already. This is the most checked yes. in beer for Fuller's. It beats out their ESB by about a hundred thousand check ins. So, so it's a lot of people have seen it. Um, almost. As I pull the beer up here on Untapped, I can see that I've got 98 friends that have had this beer. Wow. Um, so sorry about asking you to have it again if you want to earn the drinking socially <laughs> badge. But honestly, if you haven't had it in a while, it's worth it to take a, take a visit. Especially um, this time of year. And it is, to that point, it's also one of those beers where, like, if it's cold out, I want it. If it's hot out, I'll, I also want it. Like, it's this weird kind of chameleon thing where it can almost, like, Give me what a brown ale gives me, but it can also give me what like a pale ale gives me at the same time somehow. 
it's it's great. It it's not the beer I would expect to be in that you know like the the friend of yours that isn't super into beer yet. Right. Um. You I wouldn't expect you to find London Pride in his fridge. You might find a Yingling or something. Yes. But sure. But if you're ever at a friend's house and they have a London Pride and you don't remember what it tastes like, my ringing endorsement is to do yourself the favor and mm-hmm. crack one open. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. um, for this beer, I'm going to take a photo and I'm going to do the rating here on my own time, but just ticking the boxes. I always check in serving style, so mm-hmm. I'm going to note that we're drinking this from a bottle and I'm going to tag Harrison because I'm actually with him. Yep, here I am. Location is untapped HQ. Uh, for flavor profile, this is cool. I like that it kind of pre-populates some choices. Yeah. I think yeah. this is just based on what other people have selected. There's a whole bunch of tags you can search for, but honestly, for me, uh, I'm going to echo, it is very smooth. Um, it tastes kind of light, and I'm going to search for balanced because I think I'm going to add that one too. So we'll put those on for flavor tags. And then lastly, the purchased at location. Harrison, you got this at Lecter's shop, yeah, didn't I did. you? Cape Fear Wine and Beer. Uh, we saw him on the Facebook group. That's right. Dining a beer with a giant hot metal rod, rod and right. it was a really, it was an awesome video. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for outlining how you did that, Lecter. We're going to tag Cape Fear as a place we picked up the bottle, and I will check this beer in. Boom. And hopefully you guys will catch up with me, whether it's today, tomorrow, next week, or if you're right. going to visit your aunt in London soon, right. grab a London Pride. In the Heathrow Airport. Maybe they have a Concourse D with a lot, with a, with a fish Chicken and, and chips. chips. Yeah, Chicken and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Pints and pies. Um, and, uh, yeah, and enjoy it there, but it's, this is great. I'm glad we got to have this again because it has been a long time, but instantly it's like an old friend, that whole thing you have and you're like, aha. I'm going to try and save my last couple of swigs here as we Mm. go from paying homage to yesterday to kind of talking about some things that are newly happening in the beer world. Harrison pulled some headlines that caught his attention. Yeah, some some great news updates and really kind of, I've been following these uh, as this happened. The biggest one probably since we all, you know, last, uh, last, got together was the Oscar Blues rebrand kind of launch of their core beers. Really all their beers are kind of doing a whole rebrand. It's a little bit different, but not going to walk by it in the grocery store or bottle shop. Still very easy to see what Dale's Pale is and make no mistake about that beer. Same with all their brands, um, but I thought it was cool to see that. And they're also, as this is happening, kind of inter- introducing some new ones. They have a um, what looks to be a series called Slow Chill, that's going to be just lagers. The first one is a Vienna lager that's out now that from reading about it on tap, it looks amazing, but excited overall as we're sitting here drinking some pretty, not lagers, but sessionable, easy to drink beer, have some lagers coming down the, the line from Oscar Blues, their Mama's Little Yellow Pills, uh, which is also part of this rebrand, an awesome um, lager to drink all the time. Uh, it's a nice go-to. But so a lot of stuff happening with them, but the biggest news is this rebrand. And it looks like, and we've kind of spoken about this before, this year is a trend to watch. Um, but it looks like their Pinner, which was their is their number two checked-in beer on Untappd, their Session IPA is kind of 
slowly being phased out. And 1E, which is their new 100-calorie hazy IPA, kind of replacing it uh, in line with all these other, uh, the, the rebrand they're doing. Everything looks, again, kind of all on the same page, pretty consistent there, of course, with this rebrand. But um, but yeah, interesting to see. No official word on Pinter's future, but from everything I can see on their website, it's just not uh, not there anymore, which was one of my favorite beers they made. But, but, but <laughs> not bitter. But at I'll all. live. But I'll, I'll uh, live. I am I'm I'll really live. excited about the one year onesie. Too. Um, yeah. And the whole trend of kind of low calorie hazy session beers, I, I think those are going to come up in an episode here they pretty are. soon. They will for sure. We just don't. We, we hear you out there. We're just kind of taking our time to figure out how to do it. But I like the rebrand. I and mean, if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. For whatever reason, it looks. I mean, Dale's pops more. There's a little less happening on the can, um, and their uh, can of bliss series looks. It's all very psychedelic and very cool. The kind of Scottish tartan on the old Chub is great. There's just lots of just having fun with it. Um, old a, Chub might have introduced right. me to a Scotch ale. I'm old, not sure, oh, but I remember I drinking great, that and wondering, yeah. you know, where the heck is this been? Right. I got a so by quickly. We should just have it on the podcast one day. But my old Chub story is I wa- I watched a movie. I grabbed a six pack of it because God, what did I? Ha- I had a Scotch ale somewhere. Oh, I brewed. This is what it was. Brewed a Scotch ale. With Tom McClenovic, who I've talked about before, who's this kind of godfather of Connecticut home brewers. And um, it was amazing. I'd never had this out before. His was one of the best. So I was like, and I, all right, I got to find one in the store somewhere. Old Chubb is there. Grab a six pack. Don't realize it's 8% in a can. And I'm kind of just drinking it like, you know, still have my college kind of hand to face ratio of drinking lighter lagers or whatever, um, and watch the movie Krull. John, have you had the pleasure of enjoying Krull before? 1980 I, I think I, I missed it the one time it was on a public <laughs> access channel. You'll love it. And if you're out there and you've seen that you're making an exciting face, I'm sure right now it has an extremely young Liam Neeson in it. It's basically like, man, how am I gonna, who am I going to anger the most? It's like, <laughs> it's if you like Lord of the Rings... And you like Tron and Never Ending Story, then this is a movie you should check out because <laughs> it's pretty wild. But that was like on TV, and it's as you know, most of the 1983 classifies a fantasy sci-fi, but just this kind of you know, people lost in this medieval land trying to save a princess from a terrifying thing. I watched and drank a whole six pack of Old Chub. And that movie, I don't remember what happened. I can understand why you why you like the movie Man, a six pack right, of old exactly. Chubb later. Right. There was a there's a character in it who's a cyclops who had one eye, of course. I think while I watched it though, I didn't even realize he had one eye. I was kind of just like that, you know, it was so all the, the old Chubb was doing his magic and he probably had seven eyes, um, which was fit in just as well as one with how weird that movie is. But anyway, every time someone says old Chubb, I'm like, Crawl, I want to talk to you about Crawl, and inevitably it's I've never seen Crawl. Um, but if you you'll, have, you'll or, find right, your if match. If you want to check it out, I mean, it's it's out there and it's uh, it's hilarious. So anyway, um, Oscar Blues, awesome rebrand. I'm loving it. I'm definitely check out. Uh, you know, their Dale's is one of those beers. They're, they they get kind of like oh the Fat Tire Brewery right, or right. oh Dale Dale's, Dale's Brewery. Dale's right. was Oscar Blues right, probably forever. more than right. Oscar Blues right. was. A lot of times, I remember working in a crap beer bar in Philadelphia. People would order to say, "Do you have anything from Dale's 
Dale's Brewery. Yeah. Like, what do you? That's not a thing. I mean, oh, it was I see Dale's what you're Brewery. Saying. Right. Sure. And, um, yeah. So I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah we're I mean, friends I, now. Right. You really know him well. I'm my mistake. Yeah. <laughs> you're referring to him on the first name basis. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's it's one of those. But again, maybe it maybe it maybe it flirts with one of our Mount Beermores one day. I don't know. I mean. I wouldn't be surprised if it showed up on mine um, eventually, but certainly an icon. You get a nice refresher, and that's cool to see um, that it's not totally different, but just uh, different enough to make me want to go revisit it, which has been uh, been a little bit. The other thing I saw, John, I think you saw this too, and I did a horrible job at foreshadowing this earlier in the kind of lead-up to the new section. The sea visitor, is this, what, is this what it's coming back to? That's right, Captain Paps. So I'm saying Paps, like Paps Blue Ribbon. Uh, if you haven't seen this yet, they are launching a kind of craft beer line under the brand Captain Paps. There's going to be a couple different variations of an IPA, the first one being Seabird IPA, which, as we just talked about, no surprise, is going to be a 4.5% kind of hazy IPA. So here we are with kind of the one of the masters of kind of crushable loggers jumping into the crushable IPA game. So I, for one, am excited about this, reading about it, um, kind of deeper into the story itself. Looks like there's going to be a pretty big party at this. At this, They're, gonna, they're making uh, in Milwaukee a tap room um, called Captain Paps Pilot House. It's opening up March 28, 2020, which is also the 184th birthday of Captain Paps himself. Um, so... Pretty cool if you're in the area and you want to do something unique. That definitely fills the fills the uh, checks all the boxes there. But this just, I don't know, to me got me excited right away. I was like, "What? What is this?" And you read about it: Magnum, Citra, Cascade, Mosaic hops. Okay, like right, exactly forty four and a half percent, forty five five views. I mean, a really a big kind of benefit of being a big brewery like that is you do have access to and the means to get as much great you know hops as you want in huge quantities um, and dump them into an IPA. So let's see what this does. But it looks great. Pictures look cool. I'm excited about it. I'm eager to to get a taste of this one here and kind of see uh, how a, a large brewery like Paps mm-hmm. approaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, the I, IPAs is a trend. Is, is, I don't even want to say that anymore in 2020, but it's cool to see. I, I know Paps is the blue ribbon. Sure. They had a pretty pretty good marketing thing right. uh with the coffee um, oh yeah the hard coffee, hard coffee. Paps, i still one, haven't gotten sure. to try any right. of those but I, what i what i think makes me most happy about this and i i haven't done any research to say that it's true so there's a disclaimer <laughs> but i think it's really exciting to see uh, a brewery that's been around i mean this is named after the captain of a boat in right. a lake a hundred yeah. years ago yeah. These guys have been around for a while, and they're making some changes to their brew house, sure. and they're making some changes to the beers they produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say that's influenced by the popularity of craft beer, mm-hmm. and I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. And and if you're in Milwaukee, listeners, you're probably like, you know, you guys are, you know, to to someone who lives in Milwaukee, Pabst is probably might be a little bit different than anywhere else. I mean, they do have a brewery and tap room there where in the brewery on site, like the smaller kind of pilot brewery, they brew all kinds of, they got a goes on tap right now. They got a couple IPAs. That's really They got cool. an amber lager. So they're brewing and it's a bunch of stouts. They have a hard seltzer, no surprise, a Dunkelweiss. So um, on like the smaller scale, they've been playing around with this 
idea for a while um, and kind of, I'm sure, using that um, as a uh, that space as a kind of testing ground for, all right, if we were to roll something out a little bit bigger, what, what let's try some recipes here and have the fine folks in Milwaukee be our kind of guinea pig. So good, you, you may have already a, had. It's a great right, guinea pig. Right, you may have already had Seaward IPA just under a slightly a, a different name. I think it actually used to be called just Captain's IPA, and it was available at the Milwaukee Taproom for Pap. So, and they actually have won like tons of awards and like the Great American Beer Festival Awards coming out of this brew house. So they... Um, that's really exciting. So they, right. So that, like knowing the backstory, there's kind of like two different worlds of paps. There's the one you, and it's brewed all over the place that you've had in a can at a rock show in someone's basement. And then there's this brewery in Milwaukee that's kind of been doing its own thing. So I'm curious as heck about it. You know, um, it's nice. And then I get to, you know, we'll taste it. And if it's good, we'll, we'll know right then and there. I won't be any kind of that's the great thing about beer is it's you know what's good as soon as you have it. Um, so that'll be uh, cool though, to actually get in there and check it out. Um, and uh, it looks like, yeah, it looks like March or so, maybe seeing it pop up in a couple places uh, outside of Milwaukee. So keep, go ahead and follow it on a tap. Subscribe to that beer if you're curious too, and it'll tell you when it's a verified venue near you. To wrap up uh, episode three, mm. uh, we've, we're going to take it back to a would you rather. Um, this one, we've kind of talked about going into the past with beers from yesterday and yes. into the future with rebranding breweries. The hopefully simple would you rather here, Harrison, in, in five minutes mm. or less, would you rather take your favorite beer, the most celebrated beer from today, right? back in time with you 500 years mm. and share it with a brewery? Or would you rather go back in time 500 years, grab one of their beers and bring it back to yep. today? Yep. Um, Good question. Yeah, I feel like I overcomplicated that, but go. You're on the spot. <laughs> and go. And the clock is on. <laughs> uh, you're already down to four minutes. So here's what you do. Um, so... I mean, right. So here's here's the conundrum or the kind of question one is, right, which do I do? If I go back in time, one of my brain pro- probably off the top of my head, Pliny the Younger, great. All right. So what is that going to do to someone in Germany who might have his grandfather, you know, feared Pliny the Younger, maybe revered him? Maybe, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe he's not so old. Maybe then. his name was Pliny. Maybe, right. We don't know. Maybe he'll be able to tell me. Um, that would probably shock someone, though. In Germany, with the purity of the laws, shock someone anywhere how kind of obviously hoppy and wild that beer would be to someone who's never had anything like it. The more kind of interesting or certainly marketable thing was I'd jump in my time machine, grab a barrel of any beer in, in the past and bring it to whatever tap room here and say, I have a true 500-year-old IPA from a brewery that no longer exists anymore. You want to come check it out. The line will be out the door for that kind of rosemary hopped with bay leaves thing that looks like mud water. But people would be pumped about it. I would imagine. I would. I would I'd be mean, sad I'd if I didn't right, get an right, invite or a ticket. Yeah, we'd, we'd all. I'd, I'd be excited about it. So that to me, going back, grabbing something, bringing it forward, that would be interesting. I may blind a lot of people in the process. I hope not. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of the nice thing about beer is that it. Nothing, no known pathogen can live in it. So 
when the well was killing the town, head to the bar. So my answer to this one is rooted in selfishness, uh, aren't they all? But I would be more, I think it'd be fun to take uh, one of these really cool beers. I'd probably want to do like a super fruited Berliner Ooh. and just, I mean, this is 500 years ago. Pe- right. Like people didn't really understand how beer was made, no. although maybe they made really good beer. That's the question I can't right, answer. Right. So I need to go back in time 500 years and get that beer so I can bring it here with me today uh, in a growler because they probably didn't have crawler machines back there. <laughs> um, or, I mean, I'd, I'd want to learn. I, ideally, I, I see these guys making beer uh, from purely in- instinct. Um, and maybe they don't let me sit back and watch them. Either way, right. I'm going back in time to get one of those beers. I'm going to bring it back here. I might end up selling tickets and having people come in to taste a little bit of the past. But at the end of the day, I think that's an experience that I wouldn't. Right. Imp- Dogfish Head came close with their the, with their program where they were rebuilding. Yeah, yep. Um, the, that was the, the story got me into those. Sure. Now I want to go back in time and I want to taste them. So for me, that's probably an easier win. And if I could go back in time, I could maybe stop in the early 90s and watch the Bills get to a Super Bowl. That's right. Oh, John, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? I wonder if by going back in time, though, you, you, <laughs> you, land, in that, you land in that brewery, it's open fermentation because everything was, and you've got your 21st century yeast all over your body, as we all do. And that kind of floats in the beer. And by you traveling back in time, you inevitably, through just the hop dander that exists on all of us who love great beers, just change the brewing forever because you're near. Unintended butterfly effect exactly. consequences. Yep. It'd be scary to come back here. What would that look like? Um, like- I guess we'd know instantly if any of us <laughs> do go back in time, the whole beer world would change almost like it did when hazy things uh, exploded on the scene Maybe a little that's while what ago. Happened. Maybe that was just a rift in the past, John. We don't have enough time to dive into this deeper, but... <laughs> Either way, thank you so much for getting through episode three with us. The Super Bowl is just a few days away, so right. make sure you enjoy your favorite pint. Check in. Untap's going to do a badge for that game, uh, which is always yeah. fun to earn. And I think we're going to try and do some fun stuff on social media, maybe try and come up with a way to uh, support San Fran versus Kansas City. Right. Either way, it's going to be a great game if you're watching. Thanks for listening. Show notes are going to be available at podcast.untapped.com. If you have any questions or feedback, you can connect with Untapped on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can connect with Harrison and I directly on our Facebook group, Drinking Socially. And we'll see you in two weeks. Cheers. Cheers.